we're going to be uh, looking, uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper, and um, we're going to do it very similar to how we've done it in the past, um, but we're going to do it different today. Um, how many of y'all know in the New Testament church, the, the, it wasn't normal for a congregation to come together and one guy get up and preach to everybody? How many of y'all know that that's not really what we see in the book of Acts very much? There was the occasion where Peter got up and would preach a message. Paul got up and preached the message. We actually got that format from, like, what, Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, from that kind of scenario. I'm not saying it's wrong, but that's not necessarily how it happened most of the time. Um, most of the time in the New Testament church, believers got together, kind of like we do on small group, like you guys do right here on Tuesdays, and we do out on an island, and we do on Monday nights, and so on. And, and what happened was believers who were all seeing life from God's perspective, from the Holy Spirit's perspective, they would all come with their different temperaments and their different gifts, and they would come together, and they would, they would, they, they would, they would then help each other see life from God's perspective. And so today, I hope you have got, you've come ready to preach today. Uh, Dustin, are you ready to preach today? Santa, are you ready to preach today? All right, because here's what I'm looking, Mike, Mike you're, I know you're ready to preach, right? All right. And uh, always, so uh, so in this, what we're going to do today, um, we're, uh, we've got an outline that we use a lot. We're going to teach on the Lord's Supper, but um, again, I, I want you to contribute in this. So we're going to have communion with God uh, today, and that's really what the Lord's Supper is. It's communion with God. What does it mean to commune with somebody? Jim, what does it mean to commune with somebody? Yeah, man, communicate, have fellowship with. You know, we talk about on the boat, fellowship is a couple fellers on a ship, right, Mac? And uh, that's communion with God, so that's what we're kind of doing. And so the outline that we use every single time we do the Lord's Supper, and again, uh, there's only really kind of two ordinances that in the New Testament that we're commanded to observe. Some people believe three, and uh, if you want to institute the third one at your house, we can do that. That would be foot washing. And if you ever want to do it, man, you can probably do it right here. We're good. But two that we know that we're supposed to participate in and do on a regular basis. And the Bible doesn't tell us how often to do it or how infrequently to do it. It just says do it. And so we count on the fact that God's going to show us when to do it. One is baptism. And when somebody gives their life to Jesus Christ, that's their first message they get to preach. Again, anytime anybody would like to get baptized, man, right out here, we'll do it. And when you're standing in the water, what does that look like? It looks like a cross because that's what it testifies to. When I take you under the water and, and uh, that represents Jesus what? His death and burial. And aren't you glad that Jesus rose again and it didn't just end there? Because uh, what we do is we bring you back up again and that represents his resurrection. But it represents for you the message you're preaching in this is you're saying, I have died to my old life where I'm the boss. And now I'm rising to live a new life in that resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. Not in the flesh anymore, but I'm rising to live a new life with him as my boss and him empowering me and him giving my, me my perspective and, and being in his presence. And so that's baptism. The Lord's Supper is, again, looking at the, uh, what Christ did for us, looking at the gospel, that we were sinners, that we had no hope of salvation. He lived a perfect life on this planet. He shed his perfect blood. And if God gives us a desire and ability to accept that, to believe that, he will apply it to us and, and we can have eternal life. So we, we're going to go over that a little bit more in here. But our outline that we look at out of 1 Corinthians 11, probably starting in chapter tw uh, verse 23, uh, it, it, and this is where the Apostle Paul, he basically was clearing up some misconceptions that um, the uh, Corinthians had on the Lord's Supper. And so he, he's going to give us probably the best directions for how to have the Lord's Supper. But we have this outline that we do every, every year or every time we do this. We, the last time we did the Lord's Supper, we celebrated it. It was October 4th, if you can believe that. Uh, I, I, when God told me to do it yesterday, I'm just like, dude, we just did it. And I was looking back and it was October 4th. And yeah. so I'm counting on Susie and Ellie to kind of keep me in line. When are we going to do the Lord's Supper? Because we, we can, you know, and any small group we have, any small group that we have, if you ever want to have to celebrate the Lord's Supper in your small group, that's an awesome place to do that. You can do it in your own home. You can do it with a group of believers once you know what this is all about. It's not something officially that can only be done here. And, and in fact, the word, many denominations will use the word Eucharist. 
And I'll show you where that's at. It's, it's, it's the actual word that means to give thanks. And so that's what it is. It's a giving of thanks in, in, in all of this. So here's our outline. You guys know we do worship aerobics around here. Sarah, we haven't changed, all right? So everybody put your arms up, man. Put your arms up and test your deodorant with the person next to you. But we're going to look. We're looking back, okay? So help me out. We're looking back. We're looking forward. We're going to look in in order to look around. All right, you guys got that? You ready to do it real fast, Jerry? Uh, all right, so we're going to look what? Back. We're looking forward. We're going to look in so that we can look around. How many of y'all can remember that? How many of y'all can remember that? All right, let me see your hands if you can remember that. You too can have the Lord's Supper or communion. You can have that with any group of believers. And it's important, we'll see, that it has to be with believers. But you have a group of believers out on the beach. You can have the Lord's Supper. And again, what Paul teaches us in Corinthians, again, is to look back to look forward, to look in so that we can look around because that's our purpose from the time we're born again to the time he brings us home is to be an ambassador for him. We're going to do things a little bit different. Um, we're still going to use this and we're going to teach through this, but we're going to use this sticker today. And many of you know this is how we share the gospel around here. We have shirts, we have every kind, all kinds of things with this, and this is how we share the gospel. So what we're going to do, I want to get you familiar with what these colors mean, and then I want to ask you, when we look back, if while you're looking back, if God reminds you of the gold color of your home in heaven, what do you think of? If you're looking back and you think about, you think about, uh, you know, the blood of Christ, what, what are you thinking of? So you guys are going to help, and you don't have to think of it right now. If God's Spirit gives you something to say, by all means, say it. If He doesn't, then don't. You don't have to come up with something in the flesh because it's just going to be a mess if you do. All right, so. Anyways, in this, so we're going to combine these two, even if it doesn't make sense right now, we're going to combine them, all right? Because I've got some people that are going to really for sure help me on this. So we start with this, and, and I like to start with a gold color. And when I use this to share the gospel, I remind people that this is not my home. How many of you all know this is not your home because you've given your life to Christ? Amen. So the gold represents what? Heaven. That's my home. My home is in heaven. But, so gold represents what, what, v Vicky? Heaven. heaven, yes, all right, good. And so heaven represents what, Ralph? I mean, no, heaven. <laughs> the gold represents heaven, yes, all right. But that wasn't always so. That's not, we, we came into the world, this black represents how we came into this world. And so what's the, what's the three-letter word beginning with S, ending with N, having an I in the middle that, is, that, it, that this black represents? What is it? Sin. It's sin. And sin is not only doing the wrong thing, but it's not doing the right thing. Because you understand if you're not doing the right thing, as good as it may be, it is going to be the wrong thing. And so sin is not doing what God wants you to do. I need you to have one of these for this service right here. Alright, and so, um, so we have a home in heaven. That's the gold. The black represents sin, which keeps us separated from God. Romans 3, 20, uh, 6.23 says the wages of sin, what we earn, that's what wages are, what we earn by even one sin, and specifically even talking about our sin nature. How many of y'all had to learn to sin? Anybody go to Sinning 101? Maybe in college after you were already an expert, right? How many of y'all know sin came as standard equipment, right? And so, so by our sin nature, we have earned eternal separation from God, according to Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, eternal death. But the gift of God is what? What does he to give us? Eternal life through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what Romans 6.23 says. Which So the gold represents, what's the word? Heaven. The black represents my sin. And the red represents the second half of that verse, that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the red represents the blood of Christ. You can try to take blood out of salvation and you got nothing, man. It, 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 from the very beginning, he showed us that there was no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And I don't care how much you want to doll it up. It, it took Jesus's perfect blood to cover our sinful sin. And there's no other way to cover your sin except through Jesus's blood. What he did on the cross, being the, the lamb of God that not only paid for our sins, but he took them away in all of that. So, so the red represents the blood of Christ, right? So the gold represents what? Heaven. The black represents? The red represents? Blood. And, and so, so the idea is my home is heaven, but it wasn't always so. When I came to this world, I was a sinner. And, and I had no way to cover my sins, no way to 
Dude, as soon as I stopped sinning one time, I would start another time. Right, Gary? Yeah, and it wasn't until I gave my life to Jesus when he gave me the desire and ability to surrender everything I knew about myself to everything I knew about him. When he gave me that desire and ability, he gave me a new heart, right? And Gary, now we have the power to not sin. But do you still sin? Absolutely, man. And, and you know what? I heard something recently um, that said this. You know why, as a believer, we don't have to sin, right? First uh, Corinthians uh, ten thirteen says, "There's no temptation taking you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. But with the temptation, He'll make a way for you to escape. You don't have to sin. You know why you sin? Because I love it. Say that. The reason I sin is because I. Ooh, doesn't that hurt? But literally, it means you choose it. You love sin more than righteousness, and that's what it's told. And, and that really hurt when I heard that this week. I sin because I love it. But I want to say I love Jesus. So, man, that's the fight that I have right now that's going on. Now, I'm saved eternally, but I still have a fight going on, and that's what this green is. <clears throat> the reason God left us behind is so that we can grow more in love with him and as we grow in love with him by following him, we grow in love with who? Others. We grow in love with others. And so as we live in this broken world, as, I mean, how many of y'all would agree this world's broken? Yeah. And it, it, is it getting fixed? Is it getting masterfully put together by all the world politicians with filigrees of gold and it's looking beautiful? No, it's falling apart. They're putting it back together with chewing gum. And as fast as they're putting it together, it's stretching back out and messing up. And it's a broken world, but what a great time to shine. So if we can see things from God's perspective and we can live in his presence and, and, and live, walk through what he's destined us for in his power, man, we're going to grow more in love with him. And he's going to cause us to grow more in love with who? With others. And then we share the same thing with him. So you figure a way to say it, but now that you know what these four colors are, let's see if you got it again. All right, so, so yellow or the gold is what? Adam. The black is? Sin. The red is? Blood. The blood of Christ. And then the green is? Grow. And as you grow more in love with him, you grow in love with others, and this is what you want to share. So as we look back, look forward, look in with each one of these, I want to, I want to hear your, what, your, what God's showing you for each one of these colors, because each time we look back, we can, we can see what looking back means through each of these colors. When we look forward, we can see what, what each of these colors, you know, mean as we look forward. And same thing with looking in and looking around. I've never done this before, but I know God told me to do it. So success is not the result. Success is doing what God tells you to do. So if you don't participate and you just leave me hanging, man, you know what? That's on you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> We're doing what God told us to do today. And I can't wait to hear what God brings out of your heart because how many of y'all know you're different than the person next to you? Very different. You and Karen are different? Yeah. And you and Karen are different? You know? Yeah. Absolutely. So, all right. So one more time. Everybody got it? We're going to look what way? Back. We're going to look forward we're going to look in and we're going to look around and that's what why we're supposed to have communion with god and do the lord's supper so that we can get that down and we never forget why he left us here which is this green all right so let's take a look and um start back we start by looking back to what jesus has done for us and again we're going out of first corinthians chapter 11 23 through 25 uh, I'm using the NLT, New Living Translation. You can use whatever one you want. They're all pretty, those, the, the major translations are all going to say kind of the same thing. I think it's easy to understand here and in this. But uh, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians because they had totally messed up the Lord's Supper. All right. They, uh, they took the Lord's Supper, but they decided prior to the Lord's Supper, what they wanted to do was have something called a love feast. How many of y'all think a love feast is a good idea? Especially if it involves food, right? <laughs> that, uh, but which, by the way, next Sunday after church at Terry and Fernandez House on North Beach, there's going to be a church picnic around their pool and stuff up there. So anyways, uh, we'll talk more about that later. But that's going to be a love feast, all right? It's going to be good, but not, we're not going to do with it what the Corinthians did. It started out where, you know, the first century church, when you gave your life to Christ, what happened to your job more often than not? You lost it, right, Pauline? What happened to your family when you gave your life to Christ? You'll, yeah, if they didn't give their life to Christ, they abandoned you. 
And many times the only family a Christian had, especially in the first century, was their church family, that the body of believers. And so the people who had and the people, everybody has something. And what everybody did was bring whatever they had, even if all they had was encouragement. Maybe another person had food, another person had drink. They brought what they had and they came together and they shared because they realized it all came from God and they were stewards of it. And so they brought it together with great intentions and said, let's have a little love feast before we have the Lord's Supper or, you know, during the Lord's Supper or so on. And but what happened was it kind of got messed up. You know how people are, right? Not you guys, of course, but you know how people are, right? It's like you get your own little clique and there you are, you know, you're eating your food. And, and somebody over here never brings anything, comes over here to your table where you bring food all the time, right? They come over and they want to eat, and it's like, dude, you know, maybe they're bringing something else. But bottom line is it started turning into cliques. It started turning into separation instead of unity. Everybody's like, you know, well, we're better than you. Well, no, you're not. We'll show you. And, and it really was disunity. It was the very opposite of which it was created. And so Paul, every time Paul writes in First and Second Corinthians, it is a scolding. It is a correction. He's like, get this right, guys. Just follow the spirit and he will lead you. But they were following the flesh more than the spirit. So in this, when he starts it off, this is how he tells them to look back. He's, he's telling them, he said, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. So where did he get this from? The Lord. Now, some people believe he got it in direct revelation from the Lord. Some people believe that he got it from maybe the apostles, maybe even Luke, because it, what he repeats is almost identical to Luke. But what he's saying when he said he got it from the Lord is he's saying, I didn't make this up. <laughs> this is official from God of how you're supposed to celebrate the Lord's Supper, how you're supposed to, as a body of believers, have communion with God. Hey, Linda, what is communion again? That's it, man. Fellowship. Couple fellows in the ship, man, you're sharing it all. You're coming together. So he said, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he, Jesus, was betrayed. Check that out, betrayed. Who was Jesus betrayed by? Judas. Uh, Judas, yeah, one of his closest. And he knew that was all going down, but did that stop him from pouring into Judas? No, because he was doing what God the Father wanted him to do at all times. So he's betrayed by Judas, somebody close in there. He was betrayed by the Roman, by the Roman government, by the Jewish government. Who was he not betrayed by? <laughs> so realize on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. Let me ask you a question. On the night when you were betrayed by everybody in the entire world, what is one of the last things you're probably going to be? And I'll give you a hint. Grateful. How many of y'all, if you got betrayed by everybody and everything, how many of y'all would be grateful? This is awesome. No. We would be in the biggest pity party of our life, would we not? But look what Jesus did on the night when he was betrayed by everybody and anybody. He took some bread, part of the meal, part of the Passover, which he is going to radically change. You know, it's going to be way more than, than when Moses got, when God delivered the uh, Israelites out of Egypt. He's going to deliver the entire world out of sin. <laughs> what an awesome thing. So look what it says. He took bread and he gave what? Yeah. He gave thanks. How could he give thanks if he was just betrayed by everybody? Was he seeing it from his own perspective? Was he seeing it from the disciples? Do, do you think he had some other disciples? Well, you know, I mean, what were the other disciples, the ones he loved? What were they doing during the Lord's Supper? Arguing. Arguing. Who's going to be sitting next to him? Who's going to be the biggest, the baddest? And he's trying to teach him this deep stuff on the Holy Spirit, all that stuff. And I'm the vine and all this in John that you see at the end. They're not hearing anything. <laughs> and all they're thinking about is who's going to be in charge, who's going to be, you know, and all this. But he gave thanks to God for it. He broke it in pieces. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. And what did he say? Do this in what? And when you do it, when we do it in remembrance, we're looking which way? We're looking back. So this is where we get the idea that we are supposed to look back during this time. We look back to what Christ did for us. OK, and um, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. In other words, this covenant, which is way better than the old one. If you were here for a year and a half, as we preached through Hebrews, you will see he ratified this one with his own blood, not the blood of animals. This is the cup, the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, Jesus says. Again, he says, 
<coughs> do this in what? And when you're doing a remembrance, you're looking which way? Yeah. Do it in remembrance as often as you drink it. Okay. And so before we go up to this next point right here. Okay. Do I have? Oh, there we go. Uh, so before we go there, in looking back, how many of y'all can look back? Uh, at, let's look at the black. Let's look at your sin. Looking at, how many of y'all had sin? Everybody had sin? You don't raise your hand. You're a liar. You got sin now. All right. We've talked about that before. So we had, we had sin. It's been taken away. So when we look back, how can we look back when we think about our sin? What, what comes to mind when you're thinking about the sin you had, the sin you have, or whatever? Is there any benefit from the perspective of sin of looking back to what Christ did for you? What did Christ do for you in relation to your sin? He what? He died on a cross. What did he do, Ellie? Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. To, to do what with your sin? Yes. Positionally, he has taken it away. He has removed it. It's gone. Your past, your present, your future sins. Now, that is positionally, but practically speaking, if you sin right now, are there going to be consequences? Yes, yeah. You stick your hand in fire, you get burned, you jump in the water, you get wet. But are there eternal consequences? Yes. Do you lose your salvation? No, he gave you eternal life. So he took away the sins of the world. They're gone forever. He acts as, he, he acts as though you were Christ and had none because he took what Christ did on the cross. What else? When you think of, of looking back in relation to your sin, what do you think of? Anybody? Yeah, go ahead, Debbie. Freedom. So you're as close to hell as you're going to get. Well, not really. You're getting ready to move back to Atlanta, right? So, <laughs> Is your judgment already done or do you still stand before God as far as heaven and hell is concerned? Do you stand before him and he makes a judgment and either going to send you to heaven or hell? Do we have to check in with St. Peter to make sure that he okays us and looks at the books? And you know, and he's there and he's, he sees all your sins that he's written down in the book and you ask forgiveness so you erase them, right? And then he, how many of y'all committed those sins again? And he wrote them back again and erased. How many of y'all got holes in your pages? Where he's written them and erased them and written them and erased them. Does that, is that going to determine whether we go to heaven or hell? And so what's that F word again? Freedom. Freedom. You're as close to hell as you're ever going to be. Man, he's taken our sins and not only forgiven them, but he's removed them. What else? Grace. What's that? Grace. What do you mean? Yeah, grace, the desire and ability to do what he wants you to do. Absolutely, man. That's not what I used to do. Yeah, looking back. So looking back, you're looking back saying, that is not what I did. All the devil had to do is dangle the right carrot in front of my face, and there I went chasing it again. Aren't you glad we don't do that anymore? <laughs> Aren't you glad we don't have to do that? And, maybe, and that's maybe what God's trying to speak to us about today. Let us know we don't have to because, Debbie, what do we have again? Freedom to do the right thing. So in, in, in thinking about, all right, so let's go back and let's let's think about the, the and looking back to what he did for us in relation to heaven. Does anybody have anything there in relation to heaven? What what difference does it make of what he did for us? Yeah, yeah again, forgiveness. Uh, you know, it's going to be one of my favorite things um, about heaven. And, and I take things very literal in Revelation. And, and I do believe that there are going to be these eighteen hundred foot. Uh, pearly gates. Anybody think about it? And it says they're all made from one pearl. Imagine the oyster from that. And y'all like oysters? I, I'm not saying we're going to have an oyster fest, but, but, but the pearly gates, man, on each side. And, and, and everywhere I look, I'm going to see these giant pearl gates. How is a pearl made? It's made from an oyster, but something has to happen to the oyster. A what? An irritation in the oyster. How many of y'all were an irritation in God's oyster? Yeah, that's what your sin was, an irritation in his oyster. But the oyster takes that grain of sand, that irritation, and starts secreting beauty around it, beauty around it, and it turns, that irritation turns into a beautiful pearl. And that's what I'm going to be reminded of, man. 
again, of just how beautiful it is of what he did with my sins. You know, I'm not going to be grieving. I think the only thing we remember in heaven, and we can have a whole other discussion on it, right, Charla? And we can have a whole other discussion. The only thing we, I believe we're going to remember in heaven is anything that would bring him glory. And in my life, him taking my sins and covering them with beauty, <laughs> it's going to bring him all the glory in the world. Anybody else can relate to that? Yeah, you guys, were, had, Gary, you have some irritations? <laughs> hey, Bonnie, was he an irritation ever? Not to you, but to God. <laughs> yeah, you're his mom. You love him no matter what. Yeah. God loves him too, no matter what. Yeah. Okay, what else? When I, when I look at the black, I see identification. Okay. Because I once was in darkness, <laughs> and now I can identify to those that are still in darkness. Yeah, right on. And, and that's why he left us here. <laughs> that's why he left us here. Absolutely. How, who else, man? All right. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> they don't know what's in people's hearts. And I yeah. think there's a lot of people out there that, that God's, God's close to them, but yet they're not able to Amen. Yeah, you think anybody's going to say that about you when they see you coming? Probably. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> no, but yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes. Uh, the first thing I saw, I mean, it's, you know, red, green, and yellow. And, and the yellow is just so, I just see the Christian church being yellow. And I, I love seeing the, even though red is like stop and stop behavior, but I see red as the fire of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I just, I really see a lot of people like shake you off of that yellow area and get into the red area and be on fire for the Lord. Yeah. And, and the only way Paul could maintain that was by remembering that heaven was his home because yeah. of, he would always look back. Paul didn't get distracted with a lot of other side issues. Every time he got distracted, you know what he went right back to? He went right back to the gospel. He didn't get busy arguing about all he said. He got right, brought everybody right back to the gospel. And, and yeah, and because he knew his home was heaven, he could shine. And in fact, that's why he said, for me to live is what? Christ. Christ. And to die is? Yeah, actually he said, gain means better. <laughs> and he had actually seen heaven, right? Didn't he see heaven at that point? We, we believe he did, yeah? Most people believe he did, and, you know, man, no, I'm not going to go about the moon thing, never mind, but, but heaven, yeah, he had, seen, he had seen heaven, and he said, man, in fact, he said to his congregation, he said, he said, you guys, he said, I would rather be in heaven right now, but he said, God knows that I need to be here because he wants to use me to teach you something, so hurry up and get this so I can go to heaven, that was Paul's mentality, literally in this. So we're going to look back, right? Okay. And, and when we look back, okay, so how can looking back help us to grow more in love with Christ while we're here? Yep, go ahead, Pauline. Amen. And you're grateful. When you're great, and when you're grateful, everything's what? Great. great. <laughs> Try it. It works. Yeah. I, I think of everything in the past, Pauline, because right now, everything that you do for the love of him, how long is that going to last for? Forever. But prior to him, how many of y'all chase soap bubbles? You know, we blow, that's what uh, Solomon called vanity. We blow a soap bubble and we chase it. And, and all we have our eyes on is that soap bubble, that relationship, that job, that whatever. We're running into stuff, crashing into things, hurting ourselves. And how many of y'all caught that soap bubble when you were little? Past, uh, Pittsburgh Rob, you ever catch a soap bubble? And how old are you right now? Get home. That's it, dude. And yeah, man, you didn't say that as loud as you. Yeah, dude. So, so, for, so for 80 years, you have held that. You know, I'm just joking. For 60 years, you caught that soap bubble and you put it in a soap bubble nurturing cage and you've been feeding it glycerin and it's still growing to this day, right? You, you caught it and think, anybody, how many of y'all have your soap bubble with your chase? No, because what happened when you caught it? It popped. Now, when we chase stuff for Christ, man, it lasts forever. It's no more vanity. It's not worth less. It's worth more. 
<laughs> and that's a cool thing. Yeah, Ralph. When I look back, I was lost. Yeah. But now I'm found. Amen. Somebody ought to write that down. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's awesome. You're exactly right. It's not that complicated. Man. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. Amen. Yeah, we, the world, the way we put our brokenness back together again, it's like with chewing gum or super glue or a glue gun, right? And it's like, ugh. God puts us back together with gold filigree and we're more beautiful than, than if we would have never been broken. But everybody sees we've been put back together by him and his beauty. Yes, sir. You look back and see that we're all prodigal. We're all what? Prodigal sons. Okay, I thought you said Protestants. I'm like, great. You can tell you said about the Reformation. No, like, yeah, we're all prodigal. Gives us a gives us a blanket to warm us. And every time you wander away, he'll take you back. Amen. Hey, when's it too late to come back? No way. I, I think there is at some point when it's too late. I mean, well, not to come back. When's it too late to come to him when you're dead? As long as you're alive. And I want to encourage you, because I'm wondering about some of you today. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. No, not you. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, man. It, he'll take you back. And that's one of the lies of the devil. And that's another reason I think we need to... Hey, where are you going, girl? <laughs> oh, never mind. We don't really want to know. <laughs> but... But yeah, a pro he'll, take, he'll take us back. And one of the lies of the devil is he likes to isolate us. He likes to depress and discourage us and isolate us and, and make us feel like nobody wants us, including God, and then he can have his way. But when we get back in his fellowship, fellowship with God, fellowship with his people, we find strength in that. And that's probably, I guarantee it's one of the reasons we have this. Yeah, Mac? How he preserved and rescued me. Dude, I used to smuggle weed back from the Bahamas. This is on Facebook Live. It's statute of limitations. All the, the, our boat was so bad, the Coast Guard would not even stop. They didn't even want to do a safety check. Literally, I promise. And, and, and I think of all the things I did that God just didn't even... He rescued me. He preserved me so that I could be here this day before I was ever even saved, man. He was in an eternal love affair with me. That's what it means. The foreknowledge of God, that's gnosko, that's an intimate relationship. He's been in love with me forever, and he was waiting for me to get mature enough to be able to fall in love with him. And he gave me that desirability. It's pretty awesome. Who else had their hand up over? Yeah, Debbie. It's perfect. So can he ever love you anymore, Debbie? Can you do anything to make him love you more? Even if you get better? No. Can, he, he loves you. Can, can you ever do anything to make him love you less? No. That's the one we have to deal with because he loves us perfectly. Who else? Help me out. Okay. Yeah, one more. I have one more thing before you started sharing. That the black right where we're saying is sin. And where are these three colors in the midst of the sin? And then... Uh, you know, because a lot of times, you know, a lot of times it blinds us all. And then you look at the stop, obviously stop and go. So stop, and then the light, the light, the light, which is yellow or gold, always needs to be bigger. Mm. Then, and then some people just focus, I just want to go, 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 go. But then you haven't stopped to mm. look at the light. You've got to stop, look at the yeah. light, find your destiny and purpose. And then right now. Yeah, yeah and, that, and that's what Lord's Supper is, is part of the reason for it. So check this out. So we look, what's the first way we look? We look what? Back. Okay, we got five minutes to look three more ways, all right? So you know how that works out. All right, so the next way we're going to look is we're going to look which way? Forward. And we're going to look forward to his return. Check this out. This one verse here, it says, 
every time. So how many times do we do this? Every time we do the Lord's Supper. You eat this bread and drink this cup. You are what? Announcing. You're proclaiming. You're preaching the Lord's death. You're telling people what he's done for them. And, and you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. How many of y'all believe he's coming again? How many of you? How many of you would be thoroughly upset if he came right now? Anybody? How many of y'all would have your plans messed up if he came back right now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, and sometimes that's the way. I hear people sometimes, man, no, I don't want him to come. I want him coming back, but not just yet. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And, and again, we're, the New Testament church encouraged each other. Encourage each other with the thought that he's coming back again. Because when he comes back, he takes us. And where does he take us to? Heaven, man, that's an awesome thing. And, and so every time we eat and uh, drink this cup, we're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So in relation to any of these colors here of, 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 of heaven, sin, Jesus's blood, growing in love with him. What, what do you what comes to mind? Dustin, what comes to mind when I think of, when you think about he's coming back again, you know, as far as heaven? Yeah. Yeah, so, so in other words, you're getting ready to go off to Miami and do this scuba, you know, like, you know, marine biology type what, along with your firefighting and all. You got, like, dude, you got a bright future ahead of you. But, you. but in doing that, you realize that is not really your future. That's just God's tools that he's using to shine your light, let your light shine. It, that's not the end-all, be-all. The end-all, be-all is one day he's coming back or you're going to die and go to heaven. But all of this is for his glory. Yeah, when we do it that way. Who else? Yeah, go ahead. And, and again, how many of y'all have heard somebody say you had one job? <laughs> you know, the guy who had to make the sign or the guy who made the arrow go the right direction in the street. You had one job. <laughs> As a believer, we have one job. And, and that really is to help people see life from God's perspective. And no matter where he puts us and what he has us doing. Yeah. And, and so, again, maybe that's the prayer that we have when we have some time. When we do the Lord's Supper, I'm going to have you guys. We're going to be quiet. Band's going to be noodling and stuff. And. And you're going to grab the, the juice and the, and the bread, and um, you're going to be thinking about what God's put on your heart. That's what this is for. I want you to look back to what he did for you and see what he brings up. Look forward to him coming again, and then we're going to look in and look around and, and, and see that. And maybe that urgency is something that we all need to take a look at. You know, sounds like that's what God's telling you, yeah. you know, and they're that urgency because we don't know when he's coming back. Yeah. Who else, man? Uh, so in looking back or looking forward to him coming, uh, how many of you are looking? Yeah, go ahead, Mama. <laughs> Aphrodite. I did that. Then you have to have to be a piece of ass to a dish. Yeah. A debt we couldn't pay. Yes. Amen. sick of sin, you know, and, and that's something if you, if you look at looking forward, that's something to look forward to. In heaven, there's no more sin. How many of you are sick of sickness? Man, in heaven, there's no more sickness. There's no more suffering. There's no more separation. Man, Roger's trying as hard as he can to dig that right now. He's getting ready to lose the love of his life of 40 years. 
the reality of that. But he does know, and we've talked, he knows he's going to see her again. And when he sees her again, they're not going to be sick and there's never going to be any separation again. So when you think about looking forward to him coming again, take a look at these colors and ask God if he wants to remind you of anything with these colors as you look forward. So anyone else looking forward? And for any reason looking forward to Christ coming back? Yeah. And if I look back a little, 30 years ago, well, 29 years ago, I was diagnosed with lupus and I thought the world was ended because mm. my feet were literally taken out from under Okay. Um, I was so involved in the church then and I, what about this and what about this, that I realized at that time when I couldn't do anything, I was going to church because of the jobs I had. Mm. Okay. That's why we don't make jobs here. We don't want you coming for that reason. No. But, <laughs> but I have... Um, literally had God put me back together mm. eight different times. I mean, yeah. my lupus affects my joints. So um, uh, my femur was spiral fractured. I've had three knee replacements. My foot's been reconstructed. Um, I've had five back surgeries. So, um, but to me, my lupus is a blessing. Amen. It's put me in places with people that I can share and say, will you pray, you know, I, how did you survive that? Prayers, prayers of others, and God has put me, and it made me think, I, I've always, I've felt that way for a long time. I did a, a message at an early outside service one time, was lupus a blessing or a curse? And I upset some people when I said that it was blessing, not a curse, um, even some family I upset. Um, but when you were talking about God putting things back together mm. with bold filigree, mm. I'm stronger now than I was before. Amen. And that's God's. You know what I got to say to that? You. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Amen. Yes. Any, Santa, are you looking forward to Jesus coming back? From what? What, what do you think? When you think of you, I picked you up on a, this is one of the most introverted, shy first people in the world, and I just picked on her publicly. And you can feel bad, those of you with mercy, but I think God wanted me just to ask you, what do you when you think of him coming back again, what, what brings you the greatest joy about that? The people that don't know him that you would like to see there. And there's the urgency. Anyone else? Yeah, Jay? Wow. No more fighting with your wife, huh? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's like, no, they, yeah, but you're exactly right, man. Perfect harmony. That's going to be awesome. And how long is that going to last for, man? Forever. All right, so very quickly, listen, we've, we've kind of covered a lot of this, but so what, what are the two ways we've looked so far? We've looked which way? Back, and we're going to look forward. And what's the next way we're going to look? We need to look in. And this is really, um, we overestimate how good we are and underestimate how bad we are, I think, a lot of times. How many of y'all ever had a bad picture of yourself? You've had a picture, and you're like, oh, that is not me, right? How many of y'all done that? That is you. <laughs> that is you when you're not posing. Because, you know, like I, I notice guys, we get our age, we, we don't stand in the mirror this way, right? Like, if you got a belly, I stand this way. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm all right. You know, we're not, you know, have you ever taken a bad selfie? My, that they say people over 40 should not take selfies because there's no way to hide double and triple chins and all of that other stuff. We take, yeah, you got to like way up here in this top of your head. Oh, that's nice, yeah. But seriously, that picture that we take that we don't like, that's us. <laughs> it is not some stand-in double stunt man, you know. That is that is us, and we. But we have a way of always trying to find our best, our best side, our best view, and that's good. But we need people in our life to help us see the true view, and that's what brothers and sisters of Christ are for. And that's also what our time of communion is: is to be able to see the true view of who we are, you know, because. You know, what is the world, what's the, what's the world's number one criticism of Christians? They're a bunch of, yeah, 
And a hypocrite is somebody who can't even see their own flaws, so they don't admit their own flaws. They think they have no flaws, and the world sees the flaws and says what? Instead, we need to be people that know what our flaws are. We need to admit to our flaws, and we need to tell them by the blood of Christ they've been forgiven, and by the power of the resurrection, they're being fixed. And one day when I get to heaven, I won't have any anymore. Amen? Amen. And so that's why we really need to take this third look and look in at ourselves. We need to look in to judge ourselves so no one what? <laughs> so no one else has to, especially the world or God. How many of y'all are saying, nope, nope, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to wait for God to judge me. How many of y'all want a spanking from God? How many of you want to, you know, yeah, God, God wants, we represent him. From the time we're born again to the time he brings us home, we're an ambassador. We represent that kingdom, not this kingdom. And so look what Paul says, and this is really what he's saying. You guys are messing this part of the communion up. He said, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup in an unworthily unworthily manner is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Now, we're not supposed to get ourselves worthy to be able to do it. That's not what he's saying. What he's talking about is us taking it flippantly, not doing it for the purpose that God has commanded. So what we know so far is that we're supposed to look back to think of what Christ did for us. We're supposed to look forward to being in heaven one day so we can keep that perspective that this isn't our home. But we're supposed to always be asking the Holy, the Holy Spirit to show us how we can better represent him. How many of you ask the Holy Spirit to show you where you're wrong? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, daily we should be asking the Holy Spirit, how can I better represent you to this world? How many of you have ever done that before? And how many of you have had the Holy Spirit say, Gary, man, you are just fine. There, there is nothing. You are the perfect Christian model. I mean, how many of y'all have never had God? I mean, now he might know you're down and he might say, he might be gentle about it. But how many of y'all ever had the Holy Spirit show you something in your life? And how many of you on your knees when you had that go, oh, because it was such a shock to you? Yeah, that's why we do it. It should be part of our daily prayer. Not to discourage us, but to, when he shows us something, he's going to give us grace to be able to get through it. So he says, anyone who eats his bread, drinks his cup in an unworthy manner, meaning just blowing, going through the motions, as Ashley prayed, is guilty of sinning against the body and blood. Lord, you're taking the most precious thing that could purchase anything. I mean, what did it cost God to purchase you? Jesus, what did it cost him to purchase you? himself yeah could he have could he have paid a higher price for you you know me i'm the i'm the pawn shop pastor i love thrift stores and antique stores and i got i'm wheeling and dealing and it's always like dude look at the deal i got on this man did god get a deal on you carl you did yeah but and you know the beauty of that god thinks he got a deal on you because he knows what you're going to become, you know? But man, he could not have paid more for us than what he paid for us. There's no higher price. You want to talk about value and this world devaluing you? You want to be depressed because you're worth nothing? Go back and think of what he paid for you. You could not have been bought with a higher price, you know? So he says, anyone who does this, man, and, and if you do it unworthily, man, you're sinning against that. You're making the body and blood of Jesus worth nothing in this. He said, that's why we should examine who? Yeah. So, so Karen, you're supposed to examine John? And John's supposed to say, no, we examine ourselves. Holy Spirit, show me where I'm not represented. How I can represent you better. Examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. So we're going to be examining ourselves and looking in on things. Any thoughts on examining yourselves that, we, that, that God's brought to mind? Yeah, Vicki? I always say every day, as best as I can, break my heart for mm. what breaks yours. Amen. That makes me look Break my heart for what breaks yours. Amen. You should write a song. <laughs> no, I just think there's a request. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. Somebody was even, there was a group of college students I got to hang out with Thursday night, all day Friday from Colorado. And they had, did a mission trip in the inner city of Fort Pierce. And I got to take them out for Bible study Thursday night. And I was with them all day Friday, powder morning. And, but it was revival. They had revival because they got away from all their external stuff. And, and, and that's exactly what a couple of them were like. Man, this week God broke my heart for what breaks his. 
and we're going and we're living different. And yeah, that's it. exactly right. But if we don't ever ask, yeah. See, the cool thing about asking God is God's gonna give you the ability to fix it. <laughs> Most people are like, oh yeah, okay, I'll know to stay away from that person now. <laughs> you know. What else? Anyone else have anything on that? No, it's like well, ten after, so you need to get moving. <laughs> <laughs> I do see that clock. I, I don't know that, but both those clocks, what's the chances they're both right? No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, Sean, go ahead. Well, one of the biggest lies Satan had that has is that you've got to get yourself in order mm. and everything ducks in a row. Yeah. And that's what he uses to not accept the Lord. Yeah. It's the biggest lie he has. Yeah, so often in sharing the gospel with people, that's exactly right. They feel like they have to straighten their life out to be able to come to him. But how many of y'all know you couldn't straighten anything out until he came in your life? What is it? Romans 5, 8 is uh, God showed his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. You can't straighten out till his power comes in your life. Any other thoughts on, on looking in? Y'all going to save in? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Pauline. Um, for lack of a better word, we all have our own demons. We all have our own demons, yeah. Well, some of us are glad to get a B, but not you. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, because this part of the Lord's Supper is not for punishment. It's, it's, to, it's to help us become more like Him. You know? Yeah, Ellen? Um, in the, from 27 to 34, he uses judging. Mm. Ashley, you had something? Like being honest with ourselves and honest with God. Yeah. He knows what's in our hearts, but sometimes we put up that wall. Okay. I don't want to let you in. That, that's what I heard from a lot of the college students in the last couple of days, too, is they were like, we really realized this week that we've been lying to God. <laughs> we haven't been honest in our prayers, honest in, in our life, and he already and how ridiculous that is because he does know everything. So again, he says we're supposed to look forward, we're supposed to look back, we're supposed to look what? In, and then um, uh, he says, if you eat and uh, uh, if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring, without honoring, we're supposed to honor, bring honor to God when we do this, honor to Christ, the body of Christ. He said, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself because he's told us what to do with this. And he says, that's why so that's why many of you in the Corinthian church are weak and sick and some even died. You know, uh, and, and again, uh, you take what you want out of that, but um, you're his child. He rep you represent him. And if you reject correction over and over, the most loving thing he can do is take you out of this world and and bring you bring you home to heaven. But you miss all that he had in store for you and how he wanted to use you and how he wanted to rock your world and do things so supernatural that only that only he could get blamed for in all of this. So he goes on. In the, and I believe the next uh, part, well, we said, so if we'd examine ourselves, we'd not be judged by God in this way. So the last way we need to look around, and uh, the purpose of all of it, the reason we look forward, or back to what he, won, he did for us, the reason we look forward to uh, being with him in heaven, the reason we look in to judge ourselves is so that while we're here, that's the green, from the time we're born again to the time he brings us home, that we can help others escape this judgment. And so if you look in here, look what he says in this verse. He said, yet when we are judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined, okay? And we're disciples, so disciples need to be disciplined. And he says, so that we will not be condemned along with who? But what's that last part says? The world's going to be what? Condemned. 
What does it mean that the world's condemned? What does that literally mean that the world is being condemned? Rob, what does it mean when you think, when it says the world is being condemned? What do you think of? The world who is not with Christ, they are going to be separated from God. And they're going to be, and there's only one place to be separated. And that's in hell. And how long will they be there? Yeah. Now, now again, we can't save people, but what has he left us here to do? What, what is our, to be his mouthpiece, to be his witness, to be his ambassador. When it talks about us being a new creation in Christ, the whole purpose, the new creation is to be an ambassador. If we're trying to be something else, a pro basketball player, I don't want to be an ambassador, I want to be a basketball player. Well, that's not what he created you for. He gave you a new creation to be an ambassador for him in whatever realm he's got you in. What else? When you guys think about the world being condemned, we don't want to think about that. That's where the lack of urgency maybe is in. And we have a universal salvation. Surely God's going to, they have a good heart. Everybody wants me to preach them into heaven when a relative dies. So according to the great white throne judgment in the end of the book of Revelation, you have two ways you can be judged. He's going to open the books, and the books are all of our works that we've all created. And if you want to be judged according to your works, he says, all those that are, that, that are not found in this other book, these are the, this is the book of life where people are judged according to what Christ did on the cross. So you have a trans, choice of being a, a judged eternally by what Christ did or by what you have done. He says, all those that are not found with their names written in the book of life, where do they end up? So everyone who decides to be judged by their own works ends up where? And that's the message that we need to present. That's part of it, but we need to present to them that God's got a better plan. I'm part of this plan, my home is heaven. And like you, man, I started out with sin and I'm still dealing with it. But when I gave my life to Christ, he covered and he took it away. And as I walk through this life with him, I fall more in love with him. And he caused me to fall more in love with you. That's why I'm sharing this with you. Because I don't want you to be eternally condemned. I'll say this and, and I'll close on this and we'll, we'll take the Lord's Supper. But there's a guy, Francis Chan. Uh, I don't worship the dude, whatever. But I was just thinking of the last book that he wrote. Uh, not the last one, but one, last in one of his trilogies. He wrote a book called Erasing Hell. And a phenomenal book. First book he wrote kind of in this trilogy of his pilgrimage is he wrote a book called um, uh, Crazy Love. Anybody here read Crazy Love? If not, it's a great book to read. And the idea was this, that if you had only the New Testament, only the Bible, on a, and you were stranded on an island for a long period of time, you know, 20 years, whatever, and all you had was the Word of God, could you come back to America and find the New Testament church? Could you find the Church of Acts? Could you find the New Testament church that's written in the, about in the, in the uh, church epistles? Could you find this? And, and he came to the conclusion, no. We've created something that we can do on our own. We've created something else. So why? Why do we not have the church that has that power to be? And why are we not seeing people saved? Why are we not seeing all this happen? And so then he started thinking, he was starting to look, and he said, well, we can't have church without the Holy Spirit. And some people have abused the Holy Spirit, so some people have thrown the Holy Spirit out. And there's very few people having a biblical Holy Spirit is what he came to the conclusion of. So he wrote another book called Forgotten God. And said, well, what we created, we created either a church that's going to be such a sideshow, so sensational that everybody's going to be attracted to it, or one we don't need the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish and so he threw everything out he knew about the Holy Spirit, and he wrote a book called Forgotten God about the Holy Spirit. It said it's impossible. If we can't, don't need the Holy Spirit to do church, then we're not really doing church, is the idea. And then, after all of that, thinking he had it solved, he's sitting at the foot of his grandmother's bed. And his grandmother's a Buddhist. His grandmother loved him with the karma like no one could love him. His grandmother loved him with everything, was the most great, gracious soul to him. And he's sitting at her bed as she's getting ready to die. But she's a Buddhist. 
She dies. And the thought crossed his mind right at that point. He said, man, if I truly believe what I preach to people every single week, my loving grandmother who loved me more than almost anybody, she is in hell right now for eternity. That was hard for him to grasp right there, as it would be hard for each of us. So he wrote a book called Erasing Hell. He erased everything he ever learned about hell because he needed to get this right. And he said, I'm going to learn everything I can new about. I'm going to learn what the Bible says about hell. And if I come to the conclusion through the Holy Spirit's leading that really people without Christ die and go to hell, then man, what we do for church has to be done radically different. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to follow the, the Bible and how we do church. We need to quit manufacturing stuff. We need to be a rescue ship instead of a cruise ship. <laughs> Those are my words. Man, we need to go out and be rescuing people. That's what the purpose is. We need to see the urgency in this. And guess what? When he went through the word of God, what do you think he found that the Bible said about hell? That anyone who dies without Christ, spends eternity in hell. And that God has left the church here to rescue them. Now, we're not the rescue. We're the one throwing the rescue ring out there. It's the rescue ring, which is Christ, that they hold on to. We're just throwing the ring, but when's the last time you threw the ring? How often are you throwing the ring? How often are you... Too consumed with your own stuff to even notice people to throw the ring to. And again, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just saying that this is what our job is. And that's why the whole purpose of this, he wants us to look back to see how grateful we are for what he did for us. Look forward to our home. Our home is in heaven. And to judge ourselves so while we're here, we can look like him. All for the purpose of looking around and being that rescue ship. And not the cruise ship that's ticked off because the air conditioner isn't quite right. The seats aren't the right color. Or that daggum pastor speaks too long. No, I'm just sharing with you what God's got on my heart, man. You're welcome to go anytime you want. We are almost getting ready to do this. And I'm working on it. But, man, that's our job. That's what we're here for. And so, again, in a moment, we're gonna, the band's going to come on up. In fact, what band wants y'all come on up right now? And what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to invite you to uh, just kind of be kind of quiet. And I want you to spend some time with God. I want you to commune with God. And I want you to think, I want you to hold your sticker and look at it and think of these colors. Again, the gold represents what? The black represents? The red represents? And the, and the green represents? Growth. I want you to think about that. Say, God, what do you want to stick out to me as I look back? God, what do you want me to stick? What do you want to stick out to me as I look forward? What do you want to stick out to me as I look in? And God, what do you want to stick out to me as I look out or I look around? And ask God, do you think God's Holy Spirit's big enough to speak to you right now? He is, and he wants to speak to you. So I want to encourage you to go ahead and do that. As band kind of just is quietly playing. And I'm going to pray. And after I'm done praying, you just kind of come on up. Uh, be careful of this cord right here. I uh, don't think it would kill you, but I really don't want to see you maimed. So be careful of the cord. And again, just take it as a time to spend time with God. And when everyone is served, uh, we'll come back together and we'll conclude. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for providing a way for us to be saved. Father, thank you for commanding that we observe the Lord's Supper. Um, Thank you for that, uh, so that we do the hard things that we don't do when we're distracted and discouraged. We instead will look back and be grateful for what you've done for us. We will look forward to one day being in our eternal home where there's no more sickness, no more sin, no more separation, no more sorrow, no more suffering, and no more Satan and no more sin. Father, um, we look forward to that day. But Father, while we're here, we want to look more like you so that we can represent you as an ambassador. So help us to look in to do that, not only for our benefit and not even primarily for our benefit, but for the benefit of those all around us who are condemned without the gospel. Father, use us to present that gospel to them. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.
In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. It's an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Father, again, I'm just so eternally grateful that you instituted this ordinance. It's, um, you knew as humans that you would need to almost make it a command that we spend some time with you, but it's pretty awesome that you, the one that controls the most giant planets to the one that controls the tiniest atoms, wants to spend time with us, and that you love us perfectly. And Father, um, it's, it's awesome that you've made it possible for us to truly spend time with you. I want to thank you for the gift of faith. Because chances are there may be somebody here today that has never received that gift of faith. Um, many of us have that faith. And I pray that whatever size that faith is, as long as it's a faith in you, and we are full of faith in you, that you would grow that faith. And you would shrink any faith we have that's not in, in you, that it's in something else. But I pray that if there's somebody who's never put all their faith and trust in you, Father, that they would realize they can't do it unless you give them that desire and ability. And if you are giving them that desire and ability to surrender their, themselves to you right now, Father, I pray they would realize that's a desire that's come from you. I pray they would realize that that desire, as you told Nicodemus, was like the wind. You don't know when it's coming. You don't know when it's leaving, but you know when it's there. And if there's somebody here today that has a desire to just surrender it all right now, Father, I pray that you would just give them a desire they can't refuse. I pray that you would burden them. You would just cause them to, to trust you. And follow you blindly because none of us know where we're going except for heaven. Father, just give them that desire to surrender themselves to you. And be able to trust that what your word says is by believing in what Jesus did. We have eternal life. And Father, I can't wait to see that faith grow in them as well as in us. So Father, thank you for letting us be able to have this communion with you. And giving us the ability to do it any time. Thank you for letting me be able to have it with my brothers and sisters. And I pray that when we walk out of here, every one of us would know that we have met with you. And everyone we come in contact with would know that we have met with you. And that there would be people, as that Muslim boy that my daughter Emily is praying for and we are praying for, Father, we'd come in contact with people that want to have that same kind of relationship and we'd be able to tell them how to have it. So, Father, thank you again for leaving us here to be your ambassadors. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done. Thank you for the promise that you're coming again and that this is not our home. Father, thank you for being a loving, gentle God that gently will correct us like a loving father and give us the ability to fix the things that need to be fixed. And thank you for giving us a desire and an urgency to look around to others and using us to toss the line to them. So, Father, I pray that we would do these things. In Jesus' name, amen.